Hi, hello, and welcome. This is the Zonecast, where we interview emerging professionals, entrepreneurs, and academics. And uh, today we have with us on the show, uh, Sean Van Kunert. He is the Associate Vice President, Students and Learning, and uh, Dean of Students at McMaster University. Uh, hi, Sean, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, uh, thank you for, ha for having me. Ple pleasure to be here. Thank you for uh, taking the time to be on the show. And uh, I want to start by talking about your background. Uh, can you share your professional and personal background? Sure, uh, I'll give you the, the Coles Notes version. I've been in higher ed for about 20 years. Uh, I spent, uh, and prior to that, I spent five years in the private sector. Um, I, my first institution, uh, I spent my first 12 years at University of Waterloo in a number of different roles there, five different roles, uh, everything from major gift fundraising to assistant registrar, uh, to starting up a program at the University of Waterloo called Velocity for, for student entrepreneurs, which has uh, since grown to be a, a big success at Waterloo. And then in 2013, I came to McMaster uh, in the position I'm in now, which essentially oversees uh, most of the uh, program services supports for students that lie outside the classroom. So there are faculty deans which oversee the faculties. So engineering, business, science, humanities, social sciences, and, and health sciences. And then my role oversees things like uh, athletics and recreation, uh, the registrar's office, uh, the student wellness center, uh, international student uh, support, which is within the student success center, indigenous student services, uh, our housing and residence life operation um, and student accessibility services. Uh, so those were those are most of the areas under my uh, in, in my portfolio. Mm -hmm. So how long have you been at uh, McMaster University? So it'll be eight years in August. Uh, the time flies, and uh, especially during this COVID time, every day is just kind of a blur. Uh, they all blur together. So the last, especially the last year year and a half have, have uh, flown by. And um, did you also uh, graduate or study um, at um, McMaster? No, I, I, so I was a student at the University of Waterloo where I also played on the, oh, okay. first, the varsity basketball team there. And I played for uh, Team Canada for most of the summers uh, when I was a student uh, in, my, uh, in between the school year, I played for Canada on the basketball team. And uh, so I, I did both my undergraduate and my graduate degree at the University of Waterloo. Um, so um, can you talk more about um, the eight years that you spent at McMaster? I'm guessing you worked with various departments. Mm -hmm. uh, what's your experience been like? Uh, McMaster is a great institution. I say that not only because I, I work there, but it's really what I've discovered and um, been uh, had the privilege of, of working in an environment where it's a relatively large institution, about 35,000 students, but it feels smaller. There's a relatively tight knit community for an institution of the size that we have. And, uh, you know, world ranked, uh, we're normally top four or five in Canada. A uh, number of the rankings were top 100 in the world out of, you know, roughly 10,000 universities, 20,000 universities. So uh, and that, that is, those rankings are propelled by a lot of the research that goes on 
uh, McMaster, especially in the areas of, of health sciences and our medical research. Um, so it's, it's a really great community. Uh, we have great students who pass through uh, our, our institution, um, researchers and, and the, the administrators who help keep the, the place running. I think it's a, it's, it's a really great place. And when you have a crisis like COVID, it, that usually reveals what an institution or an organization is all about. And I think we've become stronger through, through this crisis and pulled together um, to, uh, to we're coming out the other side, I think stronger than the way we went in. Yeah. Um, so can you talk about how the uh, pandemic has affected the Canadian um, higher education sector? Perhaps you can uh, share your experiences from uh, McMaster. Sure. Uh, it's it's been of course it's been difficult for all sectors of society and and higher ed is no different McMaster is no different and I know for our students uh, there you can only do so much online um, and there are limits to what you can do we've tried to outside the classroom find ways for students to connect and especially our first year students we developed a program called Archway which essentially tried to put them into cohorts similar to what you find uh, living in residence on a residence uh, in, on, a, on a floor of a residence and trying to connect those students but so the social aspect um, uh, and can, university campuses are so social and learning is social yeah and and that you know it's it's a, it really has been a struggle for many no matter um, no matter what we do you can't replace face-to-face uh, -face interaction, whether it be with your peers or whether it be with an instructor or a faculty member uh, during class or, or those times after class when you're studying together, hanging out in residence, going to the gym, all those things matter and, and are part of the university experience and that not having those things is, um, is really tough. And so that's why we're, we're pushing hard to, to bring as much normalcy back to the school year as possible starting in September. Mm -hmm. um, do you think um, the universities um, 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 are um, experiencing a decline in enrollment because of uh, the pandemic? Uh, we, didn't, we didn't experience a decline in enrollment. Um, in fact, we, we had uh, our first year class was larger than ever last year. Um, now this year, there may be um, some temporary drop off in the number of international students we have uh, due to some of the restrictions around travel and some of the, the hurdles that, that international travelers uh, have to um, jump over in order to get here. So I think, I think it's possible that we could experience that type of uh, temporary decrease, but overall, our enrollment's very strong. Um, that may not be the case for institutions that aren't aren't as highly regarded as we are, but but for us, um, there isn't uh, there there isn't too much concern over it at this point. And uh, and as I said, if it dips a little bit this year, I, I think it'll come back up uh, the following year. Um, I I agree with what you said earlier. Like, you know, learning is is definitely a social experience. It's not just about acquiring information and knowledge. It's also about, you know, um, uh, interacting with your, with your uh, teachers, with your students, and and having those experiences and interactions, and and building those social skills as well, which uh, which help you 
navigate the professional world once you enter the workforce. Um, how 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 uh, do you think students feel about online or only learning? Have they been able to adapt? Do they find it to be a challenge? Do they like the convenience of not having to compute uh, commute uh, to the campus um, because it's uh, it's easier for students who live far away from the campus to to learn. Um, so uh, have there been any benefits and how, how do students feel about this uh, transition? Yeah, certainly, I mean, there have been struggles as I, I talked about, there are, there are benefits. Um, and uh, for some students, the ability to uh, access their learning from their home is, can be a tremendous benefit if they don't have to commute, if it's a asynchronous environment where they can, they don't have to necessarily sit in a lecture at a specific uh, period of time. So I think there are good things that are going to come out of this. Um, and every university, I think, is looking at what, and every academic program is looking at what, what is the best combination of things that, that we can deliver in, in a hybrid way, using all these tools, using technology, using an online using online formats and, 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 and then also, of course, uh, making sure that we have the face-to-face -face interaction that is so important. Um, so you ask if, if students have struggled. Sure, student, there are many students who have struggled in different ways, um, sometimes silently. We don't necessarily know about it. For those that ha have come forward that we have spoken to, there are struggles. So if you consider a student who say is, uh, chose to uh, or could not travel to Canada and is studying from another country, maybe across the world. There are time zone differences. There are potentially issues with technology. And uh, those, those are all hurdles that, that students have been uh, forced to overcome. Um, and we know that even in normal times, it can be difficult to, to be a university student. Um, and these, these challenges have just made it all a bit, uh, a little bit harder. Now, as I said, there are there are benefits. Let's say you're, a, let's say you're a student with a disability who has, a, um, say, mobility issues. Is it easier to access a certain material without having to venture to campus and in the middle of winter? That's that's one particular example. We're sure there's some benefit there. So. Again, we looking looking ahead. We want to take the good out of this as much as possible, and the strengths, and uh, and combine it with some of the strengths that we had pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. um, so, this uh, this might be a slightly controversial question, but you know, um, we um, as a society are are seeing a lot of things happening when we watch the news, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's the situation in the Middle East. Or whether it's some other news event that you watch and and, and you see that you know things are not uh, the way the way they should be and obviously um, uh, there are social issues out there but it seems like in recent times there's a lot happening so do you feel like colleges and universities have a role to play in and how they educate students about how to see the world and how to address these these uh, challenges oh for sure uh, that's that's part of our role and we're Whatever happens in society um, is we don't have as as a an institution like McMaster that um, those those issues are are part of our issue and and are part of part of the the what we live and uh, we're we've got a student 
population who come from all over the world, uh, different viewpoints, different backgrounds, different religions. And we, what we strive to do is to ensure that uh, students have uh, a place where they feel like they, belong, like they belong, where they can express their views. And that doesn't mean that there's definitely, it doesn't mean that there's always agreement, um, but where we can become more educated about the world, uh, about these, these political, um, racial, uh, different types of issues, socio-political issues that, that arise. Um, and it's not always easy and it's definitely not always perfect. Uh, but that's, I think, a central role for a place like McMaster to play. Mm, that's great. Um, how do you think um, the pandemic affected you personally? Did you have any reflections? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it really is. Um, so you're trying to help run a university. Um, and, and that can be challenging, but it is challenging in a normal time. And then you layer on uh, issues uh, related to the pandemic. It's almost like you're, you're doing a couple jobs pretty, pretty intensely. And, and, not, and not only that, you, you can't interact with people in a room um, on a whiteboard, uh, you know, talking to them face to face. And we, we've made uh, obviously extensive use of Zoom and, and Microsoft Teams as everyone else has, but it doesn't replace the ability to collaborate in person. And I have to say across the university, everything I've seen, people have done a phenomenal job of, of trying to get their jobs done, but it is exhausting. It is, it is exhausting. And I think one of the things that's exhausting about it, it's not just that you're not in person, it's that when something upends you and it, it changes almost every aspect of your business, um, every, you have to rethink um, almost everything you're doing, every decision um, and every decision that you make then has a domino effect on something else that, it's, that, that is, is down the line in a process or a policy potentially. And so it's that constant volume of, of inf new information ambiguous information, because we know through COVID things have changed. Um, you're trying to, in a university environment, plan and make decisions three or four or five months in advance. So for instance, you know, we've been planning for the last few months, on what will September look like? Well, not even the, the best ex public health experts can tell us precisely where we're gonna be in the pandemic on September 1st. And so you've got to make decisions in very foggy territory um, with, and all leaders have to make decisions without, uh, with in, in environments where there is imperfect information, but this has just brought it to a bit of an extreme um, circumstance where there's, there's sometimes very limited information to work on. And you, you have to start making real educated guesses, consult with experts as much as you can. But in some cases, you just have to take a, a leap of faith um, with, with some of the decisions you make. Um, so with regards to this transition to online learning, how did the universities and faculty adapt? Uh, was there any kind of training for the instructors or professors? And uh, did McMaster have to adopt any hardware or software technologies? Yeah, well, this isn't really my, my area, so I can only comment in a limited way, but there certainly was a, a great, a huge effort to adapt across the faculties and instructors putting in a lot of work. Some were more 
obviously just like anyone else, any other population, more, some are more technically, technically proficient than others. There were technologies that were already in place but weren't used uh, widespread and, and they, they became more widespread. So Echo 360 is a technology that enables you to capture lectures. Um, and so I think they did a, a great job uh, turning uh, what previously would have been a say a lecture-based course into, into an online uh, course. And there was a bit of a trial run to do that through last May through August, the spring and summer sessions. Um, we made, we were one of the, I would say the few and earliest uh, earlier institutions to say, we're going hundred percent online for our first year students. And what that clarity enabled the university to do and the instructors to do was to focus all their attention on online delivery for September of, of last year, rather than have a lot of uncertainty and or try to plan for both an in-person and an online experience. So um, I think we did the right thing last year. Um, and we were one of the few universities who closed our residences. Um, we were, I think, the only university that closed our athletics facilities. And, uh, and that, I think that was the right call last year when there was so much, uh, so much unknown about the pandemic. And what it resulted in is we didn't have one outbreak on campus this year. We had some cases, but we, we didn't have one outbreak and in, in large part because we we limited the risk. Um, so anyway, you, you asked about the technology in the classrooms and certain, there's been a ton of work there and uh, and the instructors and the faculties have really stepped up to do their best and, and deliver courses for students. That's, uh, that's great. Um, so recently you shared a particular correspondence on social media that you received from a student or former student so can you talk more about, about uh, that and, uh, and uh, what happened? Sure, yeah, there was a student who uh, came to me, I believe I met him in first year, when he was in first year. And you know, he was, uh, I'm about six foot six, and, and he, he, I had to look up to him, he was about six eight. Um, oh, wow. Um, he uh, was, uh, and he came to me, um, Looking for some help, um, he was an engineering student, and and had and he sat down and told me his his story, which was that um, his family had uh, fled a civil war in his home country um, in Africa, and uh, he spent most of his childhood and adolescence in a refugee camp uh, with his mother and and siblings, and and survived obviously survived uh, that the, the war and survived living in the, in the refugee camp and made it to Canada and made it to McMaster to try to earn a university degree, which I thought was incredible. He was here, well, it is incredible <laughs> to be here, uh, to be here alone away from his family and friends and, and certainly a, a much different environment than what he would experience in a, in a refugee camp in, in Africa. And, uh, and so I wanted to try to help him in any way I could. I could see that he was, he was doing everything he could to, to make a better life for himself and, and in turn, hopefully for his family as well. And engineering isn't a, that's not an easy, easy program either, even for, for students who have the privilege of you know, living with and having a family to surround them and support them. Um, so, uh, you know, I would, I kept in touch with him and probably talked to him 
um, every couple months and he'd come in and, you know, one day we, we just, we went out at lunchtime and we, we went to the gym and just shot some baskets because he played basketball as well. And, and I'm a basketball player. So, um, we did things like that and just little things, you know, I just tried to, to help him out. I had an extra pair of basketball shoes that were almost like new. So uh, actually they were, they were pretty much brand new and, you know, just gave him those and tried to help him out when he was, um, struggling a little bit for, uh, uh to buy food. Um, uh, and, uh, I was able to find him based on the skills that he brought to the table. He was able to get some, uh, find a, a job within student affairs and earn some money there. Um, and so, you know, and th those little things, um, just w brought him to a point where, where he was able to, uh, to earn his degree so he's just he's just finished and he happened to email me and thank me and uh, it was one of those things that it, it meant a tremendous amount to me and and one of the difficult things about um uh, well one of the things that is challenging about my role is that i i'm looking over you know many departments and systems and processes and 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 what's more difficult to do is to um deal on an individual basis when you have 35,000 students to give individualized treatment or, or, or support to students, at least for me. There are many staff who do that on a one-on-one -on -one basis, but in my role, it's, it, it is uh, unique just based on the work I do. And so I just, I felt uh, um, lucky for him to, for him to approach me and for me to have the opportunity to help them. Um, it makes me makes me feel good because it makes you feel like you're making an, an impact, um, a direct impact on someone's life. So all the credit goes to him uh, for him to to overcome the challenges that he has and to earn a degree from McMaster, one of the best universities in the world, in a great program. Um, says it says a heck of a lot about him. So, um, and there are many students uh, that we have who come from. They all have their own stories, their own challenges. Um, some of them maybe not quite as uh, dramatic as what I've just described, but nonetheless still challenges. And and they're you know they're they're not necessarily told in the way that I'm telling you now, but they're they're there. And so um, I think it's also just a good reminder for all of us that are working in the field to understand these stories and and try as best we can to to um, uh, help each individual out as much as, as much as we can and, and help them get that degree and, and have a successful life. Mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you for uh, sharing that story. And it's a great story about how somebody was able to navigate the challenge and get the support to, to, you know, move ahead in life. So that's a beautiful story. So thank you for sharing that. Um, can you, can you share a fun fact about yourself? One fact about myself. Oh, geez. Well, I've shared a couple. You know how tall I am now. You know, I played for you know, in a previous, when I wasn't washed, a washed up athlete, I, I did basketball was my life growing up. And I did mention, let's see, what else can I mention? Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, well, during the pandemic, I just took up tennis. I don't know, that's not that interesting, but uh, I think the <laughs> during the pandemic, we've all found different things to take up. And that's a sport that as I, and, and you know, physical activity is really important to me and it helps keep me uh, 
mentally well as, as much as physically. And so tennis and, and hot yoga, believe it or not, for, oh. someone who's six, for someone who's six, six, it's not a pretty sight uh, watching someone do, do hot yoga, but it allows me to keep active um, and my mind, uh, my mind clear um, through, uh, through everything that I, that I need to do for, for, uh, this job and for my kids. So, um, uh, anyway, I don't know. That's, that's all, that's all about, that's, that's about all I can come up with on the spot. I guess, I guess tennis is one of those sports where you can be six feet away, more than six feet away from the opponent and still play. So I guess, I guess it's, uh, you're complying with the guidelines. And, and you're going to have to talk, actually, you'll have to talk to, at this point in time there's a debate about that obviously because our provincial government has not allowed tennis at this point during the lockdown okay. which there's a debate about that because as you said you can stay six feet away from people and the same thing goes for golf i know there i don't i'm not a golfer yeah. there's, there's a lot of discussion around why not golf either right so yeah. i hope they i hope in hamilton here they don't have the nets up on the tennis courts at least the ones that i've seen and so uh you you know whereas uh, I have gone to, I have to admit, I have gone to some of the playgrounds and shot hoops with my, uh, my son on the basketball court. And uh, I know that's not, um, you're not supposed to, but the, the, nobody's enforcing that. So anyway, it's just, it, as, is, as is the case with this pandemic, there's a lot, there tends to be um, some confusion out there, let's put it that way. But hopefully it'll all be cleared up soon. Um, I, think, I think better days are ahead this summer. Give, uh, as long as everyone gets keeps getting the shots in their arm yeah yeah i think i think it's definitely important to stay mentally and physically healthy especially especially during the pandemic when there is already stress and anxiety and people are losing loved ones and whatnot so it's definitely very important to stay active and uh, to be mentally active to be physically active and if you can do so with um, with um, uh, social restriction um, physical distancing um, that's that's even better. Um, yeah, I think I think playgrounds uh, for children as well should be open so they can, you know, they're open spaces, right? They're not like closed indoor sp spaces, and you can still try to maintain uh, some distance. So uh, the risk perhaps might be low, um, uh, but but as you mentioned, hopefully good days are ahead, and we can go go outdoors and do more and more activities and stay stay healthy emotionally, mentally, and physically and psychologically. Uh, so that that is also important for our health because we don't want to protect our health from the virus, but then expose ourselves to other health problems. Um, so there has to be some kind of balance. So yeah, that's definitely an important conversation. But hopefully, good days are ahead. Well, yeah, and that's uh, actually that that trade-off, uh, and that's part of the, what what part of the conversation I've had McMaster as we're planning for fall is that. Um, you know, now that, and let me first say I'm not a medical expert or an epidemiologist, but my understanding of things, um, when, as we're protecting people with the vaccine, um, as, as we reach a higher percentage of, of people with the vaccine, the, at least at this point, the hospitalization rates and the deaths will go significantly downwards, as we've seen in some other countries who have, um, like the UK, that, who have vaccinated uh, more quickly than than us, and so now it's it's more a conversation about trade offs between you know there there will still be some illness, um, but we we 
if we don't open up more in a measured and um, smart way, there are, there's there are costs to that, whether it's a, a small business or whether it's a cost in terms of mental health, where you're, for example, um, you know, we want to have our varsity sports teams out there in the fall. We want to have intramural sports. So just sports is an example. I mean, I would, I want my, my kids to be able to go to, to school next year in person. Um, those things are, as we've talked throughout this important for, for mental health, for socialization and for all those things. So I think, I think there are many people realize that there is that, that trade-off. It's not, not fully open or fully closed, but the, the challenge is, to what degree do we open up and how quickly um, as the summer goes on and into the fall. Um, so I, I'm hopeful that we'll be, maybe not, we're not gonna be back to 100% normal by September, but you know, depending on how this pandemic proceeds, maybe by January, we're, we're close to normal, who knows? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Definitely let us uh, pray for that and hope that things, things get better and, and people stay in good health and, and, and hopefully the virus can can be uh, under control. Um, well, well, Sean, it has been uh, very uh, nice uh, chatting with you and talking to you about your background and, and your story. Uh, so thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. No problem, my pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. You're welcome. Uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode and you get a chance to learn from Sean's uh, story about how he and McMaster are helping students. And uh, if you have any more questions about McMaster, you can visit the website and learn more. And thank you so much for listening to Zonecast and stay tuned for more episodes.